the Start Your Own Business podcast. Hear inspiring startup stories and get reliable expert advice on how to start your business and get off to the best possible start. Brought to you by Startup Donut, helping small businesses succeed. Hello, I'm Chloe Thomas, your host, and in this third series of the Start Your Own Business podcast, you can get free practical advice from experts and small business owners that can help you to set up a new business and get off to a great start, saving you time and money along the way. Welcome. In this episode, we're talking starting a business on a shoestring budget. We're going to be looking at all those things that can cause you to spend more than you should and distract you from the always important task of sales, which is your number one thing when you get started, of course. We're going to be running through lots of tips and tricks and examples that are going to help you get your budgeting right and limit that spending so as you're only spending on things which are actually going to benefit your business. Sounds good, doesn't it? Plus, there's a few tips around getting your first sales towards the end as well. Before we meet our guest, though, do find out about the show sponsors, Dell Technologies, and how their technology solutions could help your business to become more productive, efficient, secure, and successful. This series of the Start Your Own Business podcast is brought to you by Startup Donut in association with Dell Technologies. Did you know you can get even more out of Startup Donut with new exclusive benefits from Dell Technologies? Dell has what you need to start, scale and succeed, including end-to-end tech solutions to boost productivity and maximise security so you can focus on innovation. The Startup Donut partnership with Dell means you get top products at special prices and a personalised consultation from a dedicated tech advisor who will get to know the goals of your business. Are you ready to get growing? Find out more by emailing our Dell Small Business Associations UK representative at sbauk at dell.com. That's sbauk at dell.com. It's time now to introduce our expert, Lucy Cohen of Mazuma, a leading provider of low-cost subscription-based accounting services to small businesses. Aged just 23, South Wales-based Lucy started Mazuma with Sophie Hughes in 2006, and it's since grown into a multi-award-winning business with almost 40 employees. Lucy and Sophie started Mazuma with a limited budget, and as a trained accounting professional, entrepreneur and small business owner, Lucy certainly knows a thing or two about watching the pennies and controlling costs. Lucy has also been a volunteer for the Prince's Trust since 2011, for which she mentors startup businesses. Hello, Lucy. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's great to have you here. And thanks. You must be very busy. So thank you for sparing the time to join us. That's quite all right. That's quite all right. So costs and in business and, you know, those startup um, side of things, Let's start with a really big question. Is it possible to start a business with no money at all? Yes, it is absolutely possible to start a business with no money because I did it. And I know I'm old now and it was back in 2006. But myself and my business partner, Sophie, started Mazuma with £100, if that. I had no savings. I had no investors. I had no loans. And then when we went on uh, a couple of years in, if anyone remembers back to 2006, 
2008 and we had the credit crunch and the financial crash and we couldn't borrow money for love you know, could borrow money for the world love no money actually so yeah we couldn't get an overdraft we couldn't get a loan so we had to learn to grow our business by reinvesting back into ourselves by controlling costs by understanding our metrics and our kpis really really intensely and that's how you do it it's not easy but then you have a whole different set of problems if someone throws a bunch of money at you you've got loads of money to start a business you have a whole different set of problems in that you never get the opportunity or you're never highly motivated to make sure that every financial decision you make has a return so you end up further down the line spiraling a little bit and those once you've kind of gone that far once you're at speed it's much harder to turn that ship around when you're clunkier and bigger than it is when you're kind of small and agile. So yes, it's definitely possible to do as long as you're savvy. Yeah. And, and constraint is never a bad thing in business. It makes us very innovative, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, necessity being the mother of all invention, when you don't have a lot of money for marketing or ad campaigns and things like that, you get really clever. You bootleg and you bootstrap and you guerrilla market and you do all that stuff that's kind of fun and inventive and scrappy and kind of I think the heart of entrepreneurship is about making something out of nothing. So not having much money when you start up sometimes isn't a bad thing. Being able to start with no money wouldn't apply to every business type, would it? There are somewhere fundamentally you need something to get going. Yeah. When you've got businesses which are maybe equipment or premises intensive, so bakery shops, stocks, things like that, of course, you're going to need some capital to get started with. But it doesn't take away from the fact that you still have to be smart with what you've got. You can't buy the most expensive thing because you like the look of it unless it's going to give you that return. That would be really unwise to do, especially as a startup. Because it's it's super easy to waste money when you're starting up. However limited your, your budgets are, it's still super easy to waste it in a whole different it, ways. It is so easy to waste money. First of all, you're going, so you have to accept you're definitely going to make mistakes and you're definitely going to waste some money because you're learning. Nobody teaches you how to run a business. Even if you've gone and done an MBA or you've been to business school, actually running a business in real life is very different and nothing prepares you for the mistakes that you will make. So you have to kind of be okay with failing a little bit, fail you, but fail fast and realize you make the mistake fast, realize the thing hasn't worked. A classic one we had when we started up, we invested in some marketing, which was not not cheap it was fairly expensive for, for us at the time and it didn't return and so we quite quickly went right this isn't working we're going to cut this and of course the people who were selling it to us like oh you they, but you you need to give it longer you need to do this and like i don't have longer i can't afford this now it's not giving me the return i need that's it and even now i do that we tried a live chat facility on our website with the view to kind of converting leads that were going to kind of disappear off elsewhere who hadn't engaged in another way in our site and after a week I looked at our site stats we were still on a free trial at this point I looked at our site stats and I looked at our bounce rates I went nope don't like this cutting it and of course the company like you need to give it more time I was like absolutely not I'm not letting my bounce rate suffer for another week no we're ending it here so you have to know yourself and you have to be very confident that you're able to say no It's also really easy to waste money because there are so many businesses out there that sell to startups and they target, I don't want to say the word predatory, but I've just said it. There are some businesses out there that prey on the naivety and enthusiasm 
of startup businesses. And I'm the more impulsive of the two of the founders, myself and Sophie. I'm the one who's like, I quit my job. And she was just like, oh no, (laughs) oh dear. (laughs) There we are then. Guess I'm starting a business with you now. I would, I would kind of joke that left on my own devices, we'd probably be bankrupt. That's not entirely true. But we have a very good strategy in terms of the business, which is I want to spend money and she tells me I can't. And then I have to really make my case for it. And that's kind of how we work. So you kind of have to, I think, put that put that methodology into your spending decisions. So if you're going to buy something, if someone's hounding you and selling you really hard and telling you this is a thing for you, it might be a really good thing for you, but know why it would be, know what that return is going to be, know what you'll know what you want to get from that product or service you're buying and if it doesn't meet those expectations ditch it don't fall into that sunk cost fallacy of i've been paying for this for six months maybe i'll just give it another couple of months and see if it works if it's not working get rid of it you can always come back to it at a later date at a more appropriate time when you're better off but if it's not working for you in that moment and your bottom line suffering for it and you're cash poor because of it you've got to get rid of those things uh, what i'm going to add in a little tip of my own here which is if you're going to a big event or you're having meetings with people who are trying to sell you something promise yourself you're not signing up to anything on that day because at events in particular the hype can be big you can just i mean i'm i'm the person who um gets very excited about a product i see and wants to buy it immediately you need to give yourself a cooling off period and have the stock response which is i'm not buying anything today it's not you i'm not buying anything today and in fact i want a week to decompress especially after big expos and stuff because it's really like you said that hype you're like oh it's amazing you need to have a week to decompress see how it aligns with your plans, have a plan, see how it aligns with your plan and then make a decision. And something else which it's very easy for startups to waste money on simply because they don't know about the other options out there is business advice. Because there are, not going back to your predatory arena again, but it's very hard to work out which advice you do and don't need. And advice can be very expensive when it's bought from the wrong person at the wrong time. Yeah, expensive, not just in actual cost, but in the damage it can do to you. So I quite often tell the story of, and this was free business mentoring services, but I went to a, a local government free business mentoring service when I first started at Mazuma, and they told me that Mazuma was a terrible idea and that I shouldn't do it as a business. And I thought that was, evidently, I thought that was terrible advice. So free doesn't mean worthwhile or good either. So you need to kind of look at who's handing out the advice and assess, again, you know, a lot of us, start businesses because we're good at the thing that we were doing a business and we're technicians so you start a business because you've got a desire to work for yourself or you had a great idea you maybe got some expertise in that area and you want to row your own boat you probably know an awful lot about your industry identify the things you don't know about and then specifically target those there are some areas where i think you shouldn't scrimp on advice i'm obviously going to say financial and accountancy stuff you can't really scrimp on that advice there are loads of good free resources out there where you can find that information um, and in fact most good accountants put out a lot of free information for clients to find or for potential clients to find because it we need to demonstrate how how much we know that's one you can't really afford to get wrong things like PR and marketing and stuff like that, they're all more objective potentially. So you might want to make sure you know what your message is going to be, know more about your market so you can make the right decision about who to use before you jump into anything. And again, if anyone's tying you into huge contracts, like you sign up for a year and sign up for a year today and I'll get X discount or doing it without any kind of guarantee of a return or a satisfaction break clause or something, I'd be a little bit wary. Yeah, take some 
take some steps back until you, you're certain it's really going to work for you. So I, I love that we've been through some tactics to help you avoid misspending. I think one of the reasons why people, certainly why I in the past have spent money I shouldn't have on things, was kind of like a feeling of inadequacy or a fear. And I was like, well, I, I must spend on this or people won't believe I'm proper if I don't spend on this. Is that something you, you find? Yeah, merchandise. Branded merchandise <laughs> is my biggest bugbear. I see these startup companies who quite clearly spent thousands of pounds on branded merchandise, and it's a complete waste of money. It Unless you're going to an expo and you, you've got people on a stand and you want them all dressed the same, you don't need to be giving out kind of you know, insulated thermo cups with your branding on them or expensive gifts of digital clock things with oh, iPod, iPod, that's retro, <laughs> iPhone, iPod, dear me. You don't need to be doing that because they go in the tap bag and then people give them to their staff or family members and it doesn't do anything to increase your brand awareness or advertising. You can waste so much money on that stuff. And that's just one example. I've got about three items of branded clothing from Mizuma and I've been going 16 years. We've got a few t-shirts here and there and maybe a couple of hoodies and that's 16 years worth of accumulation. Oh no, we do have some water bottles, that's it. But we just, spending money on that stuff wouldn't have helped us grow even though I had people constantly trying to tell me to buy that stuff and you can very quickly increase those costs and it's not gonna, not gonna give you a return. So yeah, stuff like that, very, very easy to overspend on. But, and also because you feel like you want the fancy you want the fancy logo, you want the, the thing, you want to feel like a proper company and you are a proper company. Proper companies try and make a profit. Yeah, and it, it's so easy to go, oh, I or to get convinced by the salesperson that you need it or to get convinced by the salesperson that you don't actually know the stuff you know and then you end up paying for the software, the service, etc. And then you're like six months and you're like, I could have done this for nothing. Absolutely. And I look, I'm not a huge advocate of doing everything yourself because if you're trying to grow a business, especially, you do need the right people around you. And for a lot of the problems you face, there's probably already somebody out there who knows how to do that. So the time it takes you to learn to do the thing, waste some money getting it wrong, things like pay-per-click advertising, for example, that's one where I probably would recommend getting a proper specialist in to do it because you can waste a lot of money very quickly on that and get nothing back whereas that money put into the right hands could give you a return so things like that I think there's a kind of real cost benefit analysis to look at but other stuff you can learn to write keyword rich content you can learn to craft nice social media posts you don't necessarily need somebody to do that for you until you're at the point when it's no longer worth your time doing that as a founder and then you bring someone else in to do that. But yeah, like you said, there's plenty of stuff you can do yourself. And in fact, in most cases, you'll probably find out you know a lot more than you think you do. Oh, so often. And is you mentioned, you know, about branded merchandise being something which frequently people feel like they have to have, feel they'll be inadequate if they don't have it. Is I think something I've also come across is people thinking often myself included, that square footage of premises impresses people, which it just yep. doesn't, does it? Especially not nowadays. So I've got a really good example of this because we did that and we made that huge mistake. We decided after a couple of years, uh, well, we could eventually borrow some money, that we were doing a big expansion. We took advice from the wrong person, which was expensive in the long term. And we 
took on a huge office, which even after being there for 12 years, we never filled. So we ended up subletting some of the rooms out for it. And I felt like an idiot because I had this huge space and we were literally rattling around in it. It was ridiculous. And I looked at that and yeah, people came along, oh, you've got these huge offices or whatever else. No one was impressed because if you have a visitor, they come and sit in one meeting room and that's it. No one sees all that other stuff. No one sees the fancy branding on the office walls and all the rest of it. And we now, we moved, we actually ended up purchasing an office building because cost benefits, the repayments on the mortgage for that were less than the rent we were paying. So it made absolute sense to do it. It was a much smaller space. It allowed us to use the space differently. Obviously, over the last couple of years, the way we've all worked has changed. So we've been able to grow without needing to take on more space because everyone's kind of on a hybrid working or entirely working remotely or even working from other countries sometimes. And now I feel like this is a bit of an albatross around my neck, if I'm honest, because we've got this huge space. And if I'm honest, do we really need it? Probably not, but we've got a mortgage on it now. So so there we are. Uh, Yeah, uh, commercial real estate after the pandemic feels like a very poor investment. (laughs) There you go, guys. Do not invest. (laughs) Not right now, anyway. (laughs) Okay, so we've talked around, you know, some of the, the key things and the key reasons why people misspend their money and fail to keep to their tight budgets. There is a kind of like a bit of a pivot, maybe what the audience are not expecting us to talk about in this one, but there is a way of setting yourself up so costs aren't so big an issue, isn't there? Yeah, you've got to sell stuff. You've got to make sales. It is so much easier to make a sale than it is to cut a cost. So I think about, for example, our annual packages for, say, a sole trader start at around £32 a month. So that's some £336 a year-ish, just over 300 quid a year. So I could put time, effort and energy into selling 10 of those. And the money that would bring me in revenue and the time it would take me to do that is significantly less than the time and energy it would take me to have to find that amount of saving to make per year. So once we were having it, in fact, we were having a conversation about this in our manager's meeting a few days ago. We were talking about client churn and business cessation and trends because that affects our business. When people go out of business, they don't need our service anymore. So we were talking about all of that and, and people were getting very fixated on this kind of churn number. And I just said, guys, we can ignore the churn number because we know we're doing everything we can this side, right? So it's not kind of churn we can control. Let's control the controllable and let's get our sales up. Let's get this sales team working. And then that churn number becomes completely irrelevant, really. So it's focusing on that right thing. You could go trawling through your bank statements every month. You could go trying to negotiate down contracts for a few pounds and pennies here, there and everywhere. But you could make two decent sales a week for a month and that would solve all of those problems. So, yeah, get those sales in top line, get that top line going and then the rest starts falling into place and gives you a little bit more freedom. And it's also, a, you know, to, going back to kind of the psychology of it all, if you're focusing on getting the sales and you're getting the sales in, both those aspects are far more positive mindset activity than going oh, we're not using one of those email accounts. I better remove it in my Google apps and I'll save myself £1.30 or whatever it is is a month. It's it's like a, a growth, happy, positive mindset compared to a 
kind of small mindset. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's a difference between abundance mindset and scarcity mindset. So when you're in an abundance mindset, you're manifesting, whatever you want to call it, you're manifesting it, you're bringing it in, you're attracting it, law of attraction, whatever you want to call it. But that vibe and that frequency that you're going at is attractive to other people it's likely to bring opportunity away your eyes open the blinkers are off because you're looking around and seeing opportunity because that's the mindset you're in when we go scarcity and we start going like like you said oh, i've got to save one pound a month oh, that's that's 12 pound a year great right i'll stick that on the spreadsheet and then i need to find another 85 of those and that that'll do we close in and we become insular and we hermit a lot. We lose our ability to kind of engage with people who are in that mindset. And it doesn't feel good. It's a horrible thing as a business owner to be sat there trying to find cost savings. It's much more productive and fun and invigorating to hit that top line and find inventive and creative ways to make those sales. So yeah, I think it's a, yeah, like you said, it's a mindset thing as well. Getting yourself in that abundance mindset and knowing as well, the industry you're in might be saturated or competitive or whatever, but there's still plenty of business out there. Again, abundance mindset, work with perceived competitors, cooperate with them. There's enough pie for everybody if you're in that abundance mindset. And that's really important to remember. I love that. And of course, a lot of those people listening are very early stage in their startup and they are thinking, but I haven't got a sale yet. So what do I do? So any tips from your experience from all the businesses you've been working with on how to get those sales coming in that little bit faster so we can have more of that abundance mindset and while still only spending on the right things, not have to worry so much about our budgets. Yeah, look, nothing wrong with spending, but like you said, on the right things, make sure the money you're spending is likely to make you a return. We did a thought exercise in a coaching group I was in and they said, if you had a thousand pounds for marketing today, someone just hand it to you on your lap, what would you do with it? People came up with all different things. I I did lead generation quizzes because we get a lot of we get a lot of good data out of that. And then someone said, I would uh, take my best client out to a really fancy dinner and ask them for another client exactly like them. I was like, that's smart. That's a really good way of doing it. Making that money work really hard. Not only will you have an abundance mindset in that place, because in the real world, a thousand pound, even though it can sound like a lot of money, it doesn't go very far when we're talking about marketing or merchandise. It doesn't buy you a lot of uh, thermo insulated branded cups, a thousand pounds. You know, it's, it's easy to burn through that. Working smart, doing the thing that matters. And in terms of making your first sale, prepare to get really clumsy and just do it. Get out there, be imperfect, be clumsy, and be vulnerable and honest with people. I think when we start businesses, we sometimes want to put forward that we're super experienced and we know what we're doing in business and, you know, yeah, we make loads of sales, sign up with me. This isn't my first time, definitely kind of winging it. Actually, you don't need to do that. Your skills and expertise in terms of what you do in in the service or product you provide in your business give you the credibility you don't have to be great at business to make that first sale you can say to people this might you might be my first customer this is a brand new business how exciting would that be they might love that and go yay i'd love to be your first customer especially if they buy into what you do they they get to say if you turn into the next apple i was their first customer what a thing to say so don't kind of shy away from letting that vulnerability show through in those first sales. And you know what? You're going to get it wrong and you might underprice and they'll bite your hand off, at which point you go, whoops, 
that was probably a little bit cheap. Or they might go and, and run away, in which case you go, well, you didn't get the pitch right or you didn't overcome the objection. So maybe that was a little, or the price was too high. But eventually, if you keep doing it, you'll get it right and you'll get a system and those sales become easier. But in terms of the first sale, done is better than perfect. You just have to take the ball by the horns and go and find it and give yourself a date to do it by. I'm not going to quit until I've hit my first sale by the 16th of October or whenever it's going to be. And giving yourself that deadline means you're much more likely to do it. Even better, force somebody else to check in with you and go, have you made a sale yet? Get someone else to kind of have that accountability circle with. And yeah, get that sale under your belt and it all starts working out a lot easier. Yeah, and that's really going to help you focus in on the right things too. And and I'm, I love that you said about be honest that you're a startup because fundamentally, if the person who signs up knows that they're your first customer, they are going to be an awful lot easier to deal with than if they think you're doing millions. Absolutely. And it's something that I think we fell into the trap of a little bit, wanting to look like we were bigger than we were. When we started, people say, you know, having a limited company or saying we instead of I. Yes, those are all things you can do. But you can be really honest with people say, look, it's just me for now. I, I really hope that I'll be able to take on a couple of staff. But because it's just me and you're one of my first customers, you're going to get a really personal service. You can manage expectations so well then. You're going to get a really personal service. Now, I'd really value feedback. I love that. And then as you grow, you can start introducing other people into the mix. Yeah, it's fun. And I think there's nothing wrong with kind of letting people know that and taking them on the journey with you because they might be quite proud to be part of that. And yeah, it's, it's nice. It is indeed. Oh, well, look, um, Lucy, we've covered an eclectically wide range of topics. We, we really have. <laughs> we have. We've really bounced around here. <laughs> so what is the key thing you'd like the listeners to take away from this episode? It's about know your business. That's so generic, but know your business as in terms of the the technical side or the product or service you're selling, you know that you know that inside out. The rest of it, you will learn along the way. And there's no better way of learning it than just by jumping in. And in terms of spending money, make sure you just spend it where it matters. And that's it. Just don't buy things you don't need. And make sure that anything you do, everything you buy, just look at it and go, is this going to return me? How is this going to benefit me? Is it going to bring me sales? Is it going to make me more efficient? Is it going to increase my bottom line or top line? And if it's not doing any of those things, maybe don't buy it right now. Brilliant. An excellent summary. Lucy, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know how they can find you and your business on the web, please? Oh, yes. My company is Mazuma, or if you Google Mazuma Money, you will find us. Big purple branding, purple envelopes and apps are things everywhere. You can't miss us. In terms of myself, I'm fairly active on social media. So you can find me, Lucy Cohen. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm usually on all other ones at Lucy Mazuma uh, in terms of Twitter, Instagram, etc. You'll find me around there. I'm really knocking around social media somewhere. But yeah, Mazuma Money, you'll find us, see what we do and you'll find details of how to get hold of me there. Excellent. Well, look, Lucy, thank you so much for being on the show and bringing so much great experience here for everyone listening. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And also just final thought, I still make mistakes all the time. I don't have all the answers and I'm very happy to share in those with people. So yeah, I certainly don't have all the answers, but I've definitely made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) Haven't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Lucy. What an excellent guest. For me, I think the key points to take away were that abundance mindset thing. It's it's subtle, but 
getting yourself in an abundant mindset and focusing on those tasks, i.e. the sales and elements like that, is going to help you maintain your energy, maintain your positivity to grow your business. Secondly, be aware of, I guess, the fear and the emotions that go into some of those buying decisions and be wary of them. Give yourself time to think and go, actually, do we need a load of travel insulated mugs with our logo on? Is this going to help us get sales? If it's not, especially in those first couple of years, put that on the back burner, put it on a list for later. But yeah, being aware of your emotions and the things that lead you to make less than good spending decisions is super important. And then thirdly, spend cleverer generally. Take the logical brain out and go, is this going to help me sell more? Is this going to help me grow my business and spend on those elements? Subtle difference between my second and third ones there. One about the emotions, one about bringing that hard-nosed business decision-making to it. We've covered a lot of ground in this episode. So to help you out, you can find the summary notes for this episode, as well as links to more free resources that are going to help you with this by visiting startupdonut.co.uk forward slash podcast. And that is with donut spelt D-O-N-U-T. Now, this whole series exists to help you complete key tasks and negotiate challenges when setting up and growing your new business. So next up, we're going to be covering how to provide excellent customer service, a crucial part of building a successful business because there's so much potential to grow through referrals and further sales from your happy customers. Just like Lucy was saying with that person who said they'd spend the thousand pounds on taking one of their existing customers out to dinner. If you're enjoying the series and picking up valuable tips, please spread the word to others you know who are setting up a business or thinking about it. And you can also sign up to the Donut Weekly Newsletter at startupdonut.co.uk forward slash newsletter for more free startup news, advice and special offers to help you save time and money. The advice and tips you'll get by subscribing to the Donut Weekly Newsletter is a great way to keep your business on a shoestring budget because all that advice is free. Subscribe now at startupdonut.co.uk forward slash newsletter. And thanks to Dell Technologies for making this whole series possible. Don't forget to email them for your free consultation. Details coming up in a moment. Did you know you can get even more out of Startup Donut with new exclusive benefits from Dell Technologies? Dell has what you need to start, scale and succeed, including end-to-end tech solutions to boost productivity and maximize security so you can focus on innovation. Our partnership with Dell means you get top products at special prices and a personalized consultation from a dedicated tech advisor who will get to know the goals of your business. Are you ready to get growing? Find out more by emailing our Dell Small Business Association's UK representative at sbauk at dell.com. That's sbauk at dell.com.